Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. This is your host, Mike Abadir. I'm going to captain the ship today until we get to our first guest, which is going to be featuring the Minnesota Vikings and Dallas Cowboys matchup this coming up Sunday. And that guest, of course, is a regular guest of ours when it comes to anything and everything Minnesota, Arif Hassan from the Athletic Minnesota. Before we get to that, though, there's a lot to cover. Breeders' Cup. Just around the corner, by the way, guys. So we'll be hosting our Breeders' Cup show next week. We got some special guests lined up and a few surprise ones that are still, we're still confirming their uh, commitments to join us and talk a little BC action. NBA, we're now five games in. Season's young. What kind of conclusions can we draw so far about where these teams are headed? Or can we? Or is it too soon? Too early? I don't even know how serious the players take these first few games. Uh, It seems to me like there's a lot of let's pace ourselves, let's pace our bodies, let's not go 100% because it's a long season. So we'll talk about that a little bit as well. NFL. NFL is king, of course. So much to talk about as we head to week eight. I'm going to give you week eight picks at the end of the show. And the matchups this week are very interesting. We're going to start off tonight with the Packers and the Cardinals. Of course, the big storyline is how many guys are going to be missing this game. J.J. Watt, the most recent player that has been put on the IR list. So he's not going to be playing, but they do get Chandler Jones back. So you lose one, you gain one. Maybe it's a wash. On the Packers' side, of course, the receiving core is depleted. Devontae Adams, COVID list. Lazard, I don't even know what his issue is. Maybe it's a COVID list as well. Maybe it's an injury. So we'll see how that goes with Aaron Rodgers and company because the the stat that's been cited today, uh, I heard it on Colin Cowherd's show, is that Aaron Rodgers is 6-0 without Devontae. So, interesting stuff. We'll see if he's able to go 7-0 or if he's not able to keep pace with the high-powered Arizona Cardinals. And by the way, you know, I was talking to a show sound engineer, producer, etc. His name is Andrew. Uh, does so much work for us. And before the show, I was telling him the difference between Arizona this year and maybe the past years is not only do they have a high-powered offense, but they've got the defense, too. I mean, this is a pretty well-rounded team overall. I'm not sure that there's an NFL team out there with more balance than them. And if anybody says, well, what about the running game? You might not have this premier Dalvin Cook-type running back, but between Chase Edmonds and the threat of the quarterback being able to scramble and run on any given play, it's about as effective as a running game as you need. And the statistics kind of point that out. 
the other good matchup, and we'll talk about that with our first guest, is the Dallas Cowboys and Minnesota Vikings. That's going to be a fun matchup to watch for a lot of different reasons. I do think that the Minnesota Vikings are a much better team than the record indicates. They're 3-3. Three and three. It's mediocre, 500. But I think that when you look at the tools that Kirk Cousins has at his disposal on offense, I think once they gear up, this is going to be one of the more high-powered offenses in the league. You have a battering ram of a running back and you've got a tremendous receiving core with Jefferson and Thielen and Conklin at tight end. And, you know, even even your your second pace running back is good. I mean, all in all, this should be a very, very well-oiled machine with a lot of veterans and youngsters that are performing at a very high level. And then we got a lot of divisional matchups this week. This is the week that features a ton of division games. We're looking at Buffalo and Miami. Atlanta and Carolina, Pittsburgh and Cleveland, Tennessee and Indy, and Tampa and the Saints, which are the two teams that have really dominated this division for a long time now. That should be a good matchup between a 4-2 and two Saints team hosting a 6-1 and one Buccaneers team. And the Saints really haven't had a lot of home games in New Orleans, so they'll be happy to have a little bit of home cooking. World Series. What are your thoughts on the World Series so far? Now, last week, the Red Sox were still alive. The Dodgers were still alive. So we didn't have a World Series matchup to really discuss at that point in time because we are still in League Championship Series mode. Now that we know the teams, now that we're two games into it, what do you guys think of the World Series? What do you think of it as a matchup? I know MLB as a whole, as an entity, probably is not very enthusiastic or excited with the two teams from a national TV and marketing perspective, right? In fact, last week's show, I said that the worst possible scenario for, for MLB was if somehow the Braves and Astros were able to meet up in the finals. Sure enough, <laughs> that's what we get. Of course, baseball would have loved to have the Red Sox or the Dodgers, two of the splashiest teams in all of baseball, two very marketable teams coming from, you know, two of the top five sports markets in the nation. Obviously, anything involving Los Angeles, Boston or New York is going to be big time. And baseball had a chance to have two of those represented. Didn't work out that way. Now, with that said, on paper, this is a very competitive World Series matchup. These are two teams playing and peaking at exactly the right time. And it's kind of funny because I must confess, I had a my mid-year funeral, if you will, where teams are buried, not going to the playoffs, and I call them out. And the first one that I said is done at the mid-year mark was the Minnesota Twins. I said, they're done. They're not playing well, and I see no reason for that to change. The second team was the New York Yankees. Now, they were able to right the ship for a three-week period, and that was a strong enough three-week period that they were able to ride that to sneaking into the wild card spot. But they were a one-and-done 
they kind of revealed their true colors, really. Because even their best pitcher in uh, Cole, he didn't have a very good outing against the Red Sox, and boom, they're eliminated. The third and final team that I had buried was the Atlanta Braves. After Acuna got hurt, I didn't think that there was any way possible that these guys were going to be able to come back and regroup and and look, not even go to the World Series. How about just winning their own division? I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs, to be honest with you. I didn't think that they had enough pitching. And I felt that without Acuna there, you lose your best hitter. That's a tough blow. And without quality pitching, without a great bullpen, how in the world can these guys fly? Well, first thing that happened is that the front office did some brilliant maneuvering, very quietly, very sneaky, quiet, brilliant moves. In hindsight, we look at it and say, wow, these should have been splashier moves. But that's hindsight for you. At the time, they got Jock Peterson. It was like, okay, he's kind of a part-time outfielder. He's got some pop, can hit some home runs and some clutch moments, but nothing to necessarily give us an indication that they're going to be a playoff team. What about Jorge Soler, the slugger from the Kansas City Royals? Now, this guy's got 40 home run potential written all over him. He has a track record of hitting that many home runs. But he's been in Kansas City. No pressure. Not that many people watching. Nobody really even knows if his home runs were late in the game and blowouts or if they are game-winning home runs. You know, because he's kind of stuck in Kansas City, not a lot of people know a lot about him. Now, I know when he was coming up, he was a big prospect for the Chicago Cubs. But that was a few years back. Well, Atlanta pulled the trigger. They got this guy, and he has been a gem of a find. He has really unveiled himself to America as a legitimate power hitter, a legitimate star in baseball. And that's what October does for people. Takes some of the guys that don't have a lot of the attention on them and turns them into stars. Just like that. Especially if they produce in October. And boy, oh boy, Jock Peterson has absolutely performed. And Jorge Soler has definitely delivered. What about another side, the Astros? I will say this. I don't have a horse in the race. I don't have a team that I'm necessarily rooting for one way or another. But there are individuals that I'm rooting for. Dusty Baker being at the top of my list. Now, he's the only manager. They've been playing baseball for a long time. The only manager in the history of the major leagues to take five teams to the playoffs. I mean, that's absolutely remarkable. Think about that for a moment. Think of, let's say, Andy Reid. He won 100 with Philadelphia, and he won 100 with Kansas City, and that was very much celebrated. He went to the playoffs with both teams. Now, could you imagine Andy Reid did that with five teams? I mean, it would I mean, it'd be impossible, wouldn't it? And so Baker has accomplished the impossible. So what's left on his resume? 
getting that ring. He's been in the game for a long time, and he almost had it, maybe should have had it with San Francisco during the Barry Bonds years. They got to the World Series against the Angels. You remember that was the rally monkey year? Yeah. Sorry, Giants fans. Not trying to pour salt in your wounds. But that was when Baker got a lot of grief for taking the ball out of Russ Ortiz's hands. Maybe prematurely, maybe not. He got all the blame, whereas the bullpen's the one that blew it. Baker didn't. And truth be told, Russ Ortiz that year was like clockwork. Delivers six innings, come the seventh, gives up four runs. Every time. And I remember thinking during the year, why don't they just pull him after six no matter what? No matter what his pitch count is, no matter how strong his outing is looking, just do it because you're going to be way better off. And I think that's what the numbers pointed out. That's what Dusty was looking at and made that decision. The rest is history. The Angels end up winning the World Series. So what do we have? And that was 2002. Here we are, almost 20 years later. Baker gets another chance to get there. Now, I thought he could have and should have got there with the Nationals. And unfortunately for him, Dave Martinez, the following year, took a strong Dusty Baker team to the World Series. I don't think it was because Dave Martinez was necessarily the difference maker or that Dusty Baker was lacking in any way. I think it was just one of those things where they had enough playoff experience that regardless of whether it was Baker or Martinez, they would have got to the World Series and won it. The players are the ones that deliver, right? So, again, I'm happy for Dusty. I'd like to see him close the deal. I think that would be a remarkable touch on a brilliant career. Long, long career. I mean, he's he's been in the game forever. Started off as a player and on through his managerial years. And don't forget, he inherited a very difficult situation with the Astros. You know, they were just in absolute turmoil when they hired this man, right? That was after all the cheating, not allegations, confirmed cheating after MLB's investigation where they fired manager A.J. Hinch, right? Uh, And a lot of others got implicated, including Cora of the Red Sox. He was supposedly the ringleader of all of this. And... There was a domino effect in terms of firings, in terms of changing of protocol, in terms of looking into the rules about how to use devices during games and sign stealing and all that stuff. And then somebody had nothing to do with it. Dusty Baker gets hired and is asked to fix it. Well, not just did he fix it, but he fixed it brilliantly and has taken them now to the World Series. Last year, the Astros made a run into the playoffs as well. So he's two for two in terms of taking the Strohs to the playoffs, and now he is on the verge of being a world champion. That's a lot of content, and we haven't even got to the actual games themselves, (laughs) which have been very, very good so far. 
especially if you like series is going seven because this one has seven written all over it doesn't it so we're we're tied one to one each took a game in houston now we're going to be headed to atlanta for their first world series game that they're hosting uh in what 20 years something like that 22 years so that's tomorrow night, 5.09 Pacific Time, 8.09 Eastern Time. Ian Anderson is on the bump for the Braves and Luis Garcia for the Astros. They might be expecting some showers, by the way, too. So that's an interesting wrinkle for this World Series game. Obviously, once you start getting to late October, weather comes into play. I've got a lot of opinions about that, but I'll save that for another show. In terms of how to maybe have a neutral site World Series or at least some of the games out of the seven, one home here, one home there, and the rest neutral. I don't know. We'll 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 talk about that one day. I'm pretty sure about it. So right now we are at least guaranteed three more games, which would be five. And if each of them wins a game then we're guaranteed game number six. I think this goes to seven. I think this goes to seven. Now, Ian Anderson, by the way, is 3-0 in seven career postseason starts with a 1-4-7 ERA. The Astros have been scoring in bunches. I think 10 out of their 12 games in the playoffs so far, they've scored over five runs. So they are a run-producing machine. So I love it when you have like a good... NFL defense going up against a great offense or a great pitching staff going up against a great lineup. They say pitching always wins in October. Well, we'll see if that holds true once again, because Ian Anderson has really been delivering for the Atlanta Braves and the Astros hitters have really come to play. I mean, that lineup from top to bottom can strike at any moment. And that core of, Jordan Alvarez and Bregman and Altuve and Guriel. I mean, I could go on and on with the names. They're all fantastic. Good World Series, man. I'm 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 hyped about this one. Right. And just to recap, the last game was won by the Astros. That was last night. They won seven to two. Max Free did not have a very good outing. The game before, AJ Minter came in and saved the day for the Braves. They won that game six to two. So six to two one way, seven to two the other way. Pretty even if you ask me. They've almost scored identical number of runs so far, and here we have a split. Not a big surprise. Okay. Let's take our first commercial timeout. When we come back, we'll talk NFL with Arif Hassan of the Athletic Minnesota. Stay with us. We will be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. 
Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to the Mike Abadir Show. I am your host, Mike Abadir, of course. And I am going to be bringing in our first guest shortly, and that is Arif Hassan of the Athletic Minnesota. We'll talk some Vikings and Cowboys. That'll be the Sunday night matchup on NBC. So I'll save that conversation for his arrival momentarily here. Uh, but that, it, that I'll tell you what, the NFC North is one of those divisions that doesn't necessarily have a lot of suspense. Why do I say that? Because you can already write off the Detroit Lions. Yeah, they've had a lot of close games. Yeah, they've had a lot of hard luck losses. Sucks for them. But they're 0-7. They're not going anywhere. I mean, what, 17-game season. So if they won every single game the rest of the way, they'd be a 10-win team, which obviously is not going to happen. You don't go from 0-7 to 10-7. Uh, to <laughs> it just doesn't happen. So the Detroit Lions, we can unofficially, officially eliminate them. How about that? The Bears, I don't know how the Bears have three wins, to be honest with you. I mean, somehow, some way, the Bears keep, getting this reputation of having a good defense. And it's kind of funny because even the years where they don't have a great defense, they're considered a good defense. But their problem is on offense. I mean, my goodness. They they are really, really, really hurting. I'm very, I'm very curious as to what Bears fans think of their QB play. Look, it's very hard to judge a quarterback based on just a handful of games. He's young. He's got a very bright future ahead of him. That's what the Bears fans are hoping for, at least. But my goodness, his performance has been... Let's just say it's not Mac Jones-esque, who's probably the best of the bunch so far, in my opinion. I think Trevor Lawrence has, has done okay with the very few pieces that he's had to work with. 
So I think that Jags fans can be bullish on him. I think the Patriots fans kind of can start seeing the light here that Belichick is going to probably bring this team back to prominence. Not that they've declined for a long period of time or anything like that, but I'm talking about being a legitimate contender in the AFC. Wouldn't it all be surprised if we saw that by next season for the Patriots? But sticking with the NFC North, so the Bears are a three-win team. The other three-win team is Minnesota Vikings. Now, the Bears have an additional loss. They've already played seven games. The Vikings are 3-3 three and three at 500. And the Packers, of course, are 6-1. and one. They have their game tonight against the unbeaten Arizona Cardinals. So when you look at the NFC North, really I see this as a, maybe a two-horse race, and that's if I'm really giving Minnesota the benefit of the doubt. But I don't see the Bears making a run. I think this is going to be a season where their young quarterback gets some experience under his belt. I, I'm not seeing a lot of signs right now of him turning the corner this year. But who knows? I've been wrong before. Sometimes it just clicks. And once it clicks for talented players, then they can achieve their potential of being a first-round pick. Like I said earlier, the lines are toast. So in this division, there's not a lot of suspense. It's, it's going to be, you know, the Packers and the Vikings chasing. And we're going to find out a little bit more about the Vikings and, and how that chase can go. And that chase starts tonight with the uh, Packers game. You know, hopefully for Vikings fans, they'll take an L against the unbeaten Cardinals. And then on Sunday night football, where we have the Cowboys and Minnesota Vikings going up on a, what should be a very interesting and competitive game on NBC. Let's talk about it with the expert himself, the insider, a friend of the show, been on with us many times over the years to talk all things Minnesota, but we usually have him on here talking just about the Vikings. I think we asked him a Twins question once and maybe a T-Wolves question one time, but of course, talking about Arif Hassan of the Athletic Minnesota. Arif, good afternoon. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, man. You know, it's it's interesting because... When I look at the Minnesota Vikings, I see a team that's got some tremendous pass rushers. I see a team that's got tons of talent on the offensive side of the ball in terms of playmakers, skill position guys, great receivers, arguably a top three running back in the NFL, more than serviceable quarterback, and definitely a guy that could fling the rock. What's your assessment so far of the three and three, the 500 ball club Minnesota Vikings at this point in time? Has this been, do you see this team being like a 500 team throughout? Or do you think it's been more of a function of schedule? They had some hard games against Arizona, et cetera. What, what's your take, you know, getting into uh, uh, the mid part of the season here? Yeah, I think that they're a talented team, and if you gave them an average schedule, they'd come out with a winning record, but they've got a really tough schedule. I think if you take a look at kind of the various websites that find ways to rank these things, 
they've got about the third or fourth most difficult schedule in the NFL. Uh, they've got, you know, like you said, they've had some, some pretty tough games against some pretty good teams. Cincinnati's up there leading the AFC. Arizona, like you said, is undefeated. Uh, and both of those games were played within a point. So um, they are a pretty good team, but they also find ways to beat themselves. So they're very talented. The talent shows up on the field, but then they've made some critical catastrophic errors at key moments in games, fumbles when they shouldn't happen late in the game, punt blocks, things like that. And so um, th- this is a team that, that really needs to find a way to kind of isolate those mistakes, which I know is true for a lot of teams, that if they don't make mistakes, they'll win a lot of games. But for the Vikings, it seems particularly true because those mistakes have been so big for them. Um, but because they'll be playing the Dallas Cowboys, because they've got games with the Ravens and the Chargers and the Packers coming up right after this, they could come out of this with a losing record despite being a high-quality team. They just don't have room for error at this point. Um, so I see them as a good team that at the end of the year may not even have a record that looks like they're the kind of quality team you would expect with the type of talent that you listed. Yeah, no doubt. And you're talking about the schedule. Yeah, that's going to be a little bit of a, of a tough, four, I guess, four weeks here. Cowboys, Ravens, Chargers, Packers. I'm not sure that the 49ers are as tough as maybe some people expected, uh, maybe because of their quarterback play or lack of uh, but then they have kind of the a little bit of a reprieve with the Lions, uh, a down year for the Steelers, but they're always tough. And then the Bears, and then they get back to a tough schedule again. <laughs> they're going to have the Rams and the Packers again. So, yeah, yeah. Where, where do you see this team? Well, before we get into prediction mode, let's get into this matchup for this weekend. Big NBC Sunday night game. Everybody's watching. The U.S. Bank Stadium going to be a, a a matchup, really, of the reborn Dallas Cowboys and the Minnesota Vikings. If I remember correctly, the Vikings played the Cowboys tough. Am I? Is my memory? Does my memory serve me correct? Yeah, no, they, they've played they've played the Cowboys a number of times over the past couple of years, and they've played them pretty close. Um, the last matchup, uh, I think, was, featured a lot of really great catches from C.D. Lamb, and they ended up getting away uh, from the Vikings by the end of the game. But there have been a lot of pretty close games between the two. Uh, this one's going to be interesting because, uh, you know, the Cowboys still have that talent at receiver. We don't know if Dak Prescott is playing. Initially, it looked like he was. Now it looks like, you know, he, they might waffle a little bit. So that's going to define the matchup more than anything else. Yeah, it's a strained calf, and, and he mentioned today uh, that that calf might be kind of a, an aggravation of the injury that he suffered last year um, as he was kind of recovering from the ankle injury that he suffered. So um, we'll see. You know, they, they mentioned that they, you know, he would be able to play today if he needed to, but the question is whether or not he's, that's going to be a good long-term decision for him. So um, that's going to be probably the probably get a decision on Sunday or Saturday, uh, and, and that's going to be kind of what swings things. But if he does play, um, it, it's going to be a pretty dynamic matchup. I think, you know, where we're used to seeing a really good Cowboys offensive line, but they've got some holes and will be going up against, um, like you said, a really high-level pass rush unit. And that's going to be pretty important because the Vikings won't have Patrick Peterson in their secondary, and he's been playing really well for them over the past couple of weeks. And so if that defense is going to keep on playing at the level that it has been playing over the past couple of weeks, um, it's going to need to generate that pressure really quickly. Um, so that's kind of what I think is going to be the important part of the matchup. Obviously, the other side of the ball matters a lot. The Vikings have not had a bunch of turnovers from Kirk Cousins, but uh, you know the, the Dallas Cowboys lead the league in, in turnovers per drive, and so that's going to be kind of like a, 
uh, a really difficult kind of you've got a really safe quarterback against a really aggressive secondary. And and that's going to be kind of if the Vikings want to take risks and make explosive plays, the yards are going to be there, but they're going to have to just accept and absorb some of the risk that comes with that. And so um, I think that if the if the Vikings can put pressure on Dak Prescott, they won't put too much on their own offense to have to score points and they'll be able to, to make it safe. But um, if not, then there's going to be a lot of fireworks in the game because there's going to be a ton of players throwing uh, balls pretty deep downfield. There's going to be a lot of pick opportunities, uh, and we're going to see a bunch of good back and forth. You know, everybody knows the tremendous playmakers on the Vikings. Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson has really emerged to be a legit, uh, you know, top-level, top-notch wide receiver in the National Football League. Adam Thielen, of course, has got a good track record. I like looking at some of the guys, though, that are a little bit under the radar, that are playing really well. Maybe you could tell us a little bit more about each of them. Uh, And I'm talking about K.J. Osborne and Tyler Conklin, who, uh, you know, has an opportunity, unfortunately, because of Irv Smith's injury. But I think Tyler Conklin's really made the best of it so far. He's emerged as, as as a pretty reliable uh, you know, that red zone type of tight end, but one of the guys that can, um, that could be a quarterback's friend, let's just say. And then the third player, probably my favorite player, not a lot of teams utilize the fullback position, but CJ Ham. Yeah, no, for sure. I, th- those, those, all three of those players have a really important role to play with the Vikings. I'll start with KJ Osborne, who has seen a lot more snaps as a result of the Vikings not having Irv Smith available, so they're not running too tight end as much. And so they've got Tyler Conklin out there. They've got KJ Osborne out there. They're running free receiver a lot more than they used to. And in the past, they just haven't had that third receiver that's been able to complement the two receivers that they've had, either Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen or Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. And now they do, and that makes coverage really difficult for a lot of teams in trying to figure out how to stop them because they can usually put an extra guy over whichever threat they think is, is kind of the bigger problem for them, which recently has been Justin Jefferson. But with the way KJ Osborne been playing, he can play all three receiver positions. He can play off the line, on the line. He can play in the slot. He's done a really good job finding ways to get open, and he can run a variety of routes. He's really athletic. He was the return guy at Miami, uh, which is why the Vikings originally drafted him. But he was, you know, pretty competitive back when he was a, a University of Buffalo player too. When they had. Uh, Anthony Johnson, um, you know, opposite him at receiver. So they they had um, a lot of opportunities to get him on the field, and now you know they're, he's finally paying them back. He had a really clutch catch for for the win uh, just two weeks ago, and the Vikings have, have shown that they're willing to rely on him. He's great at the catch point. He's done a really good job, kind of leveraging his quickness and strength to be a legitimate third receiver option. And so he's been pretty fun. I wrote an article about him recently, um, but. Like you said, that there's a couple of players that are kind of in that in that role of being really good role players that really good teams have at critical positions. So, like Tyler Conklin, you mentioned, has taken on a bigger role as a result of the Irv Smith injury. But the Vikings were talking him up as a potential guy um, to play a big role in the offense well before that injury occurred because they were comfortable letting Kyle Rudolph go in free agency. He ended up signing with uh, the New York Giants uh, and, and installing Tyler Conklin into a role that kind of matched what what Kyle Rudolph was going to do. Irv Smith's kind of a big play guy, so we're going to ask him to do the same things. Um, but Tyler Conklin has taken on that role really well, and I think the the biggest surprise um, has been how much he's grown as a blocker. I mean, he wasn't really a great blocker for the Vikings. 
uh, heading into the season, and he's grown really tremendously at that, and that's really good because you can not not only is it great to have a good run block when you've got Dalvin Cook, but you never have to change your plays based on the personnel that you have out there when Tyler Conklin is there, and so they know that they can call whatever play they want against whatever defense that they see, and know that Conklin can execute. And like you said, he's playing that role of being a quarterback's best friend. He's not making plays forty yards down the field very often, but he's getting open underneath. He's doing a pretty good job on third down, and like you said, in the red zone, he's playing a really big role in their ability to kind of you know finish drives, something that they've really emphasized over the past couple of weeks is, as a way to take that offense to the next level. He's going to be a big part of that. And so his kind of all-around capability has been a really useful utility for them um, as they kind of advance this offense to the next couple of stages, especially as they're probably going to add a little bit more play action in the coming weeks to make them a more diverse offense. And then C.J. Ham, Vikings fans love him a lot. I mean, not a lot of teams play a bunch of fullback, um, and so it's a pretty old school position. But Ham has taken on that role well. Um, you know, he just had a 30-yard run a couple weeks ago that I think surprised a lot of people. But he's always been, I think, a little bit more athletic than you expect a lot of fullbacks to be. He's been a really good blocker. He does a pretty good job receiving, and and they brought him up uh, in the presser right after Irv Smith got hurt as a guy that can kind of take on some roles and kind of fill that gap. And and those three guys that you named are all guys that have taken on bigger roles as a result of that Irv. Smith injury um, that have done kind of different things uh, in response to to make defenses kind of pay for over focusing on one of those two receivers. Uh, you know, Ham is is as you would expect a pretty good blocker, but he was a runner at, at Augustana in college, and, and and they're showcasing that on fullback dives and fourth and one. They're showcasing his receiving capability. He's got pretty good hands, uh, and he's a fairly versatile threat. He's probably not going to have that many thirty yard runs going forward. You're probably not going to see a bunch of big plays from him, but they really like his capability on on fourth and short and third and short, and those are some pretty critical downs for teams. Yeah, no doubt. Wow, that was a fantastic analysis. You just zipped through that with uh, with eloquence and grace, man. Good stuff there, Arif. Uh, before we <laughs> let you go, the, the the problem that I'm seeing with the Vikings right now is in the uh, run defense. Um, I think that they're in towards the bottom, maybe sixth or seventh from the bottom in terms of average uh, yards per game given up on the ground. Uh, it's kind of almost the inverse of that. They're almost just outside the top 10 in terms of their uh, pass defense. And if you use the yards per game metrics, they lead the league tied with the Chicago Bears in sacks. And they've got a top five offense. So to me, again, in terms of yards per game, to me, this seems to be one of the more well-rounded, balanced teams in NFL right up there with Arizona Cardinals who have a very different type of record on the field to show for that. Is the run defense really their weak spot and can they address it? Yeah, it's been their weak spot. And part of the reason for that early in the season was because they didn't have Anthony Barr in there. They, you know, needed to wait for his, his knees to get a little bit better. He's suffering from a a recurring tendonitis type condition. Uh, And so they had Nick Vigil out there. who's a really great, third linebacker to have, but he's more of a coverage backer than he is a run defense guy. And then when they got Anthony Barr back, Michael Pierce, their nose tackle, got injured, and so they didn't have him, and he's an even bigger asset when it comes to defending against the run. And so they've got all of the personnel they need, but they don't have the depth of that personnel, and they don't have them all on the field at the same time for them to be a truly effective run defense. You know, Eric Hendricks is doing the best he can. He's playing really good football. He always has, um, but there's only so much that one linebacker can do when it comes to run defense, and Dalvin Tomlinson is a really good 
you know, run defending three technique, they're not putting him in a nose tackle. And so the nose tackles that they have instead um, are, are players that are a little bit better in terms of pass rush than they are at run defense. And so if there is probably a, a big weakness for the Vikings, it's going to be that. And knowing kind of the, the running backs or the run offenses that they've got, you know, we've got Aaron Jones coming up in a little bit, Ezekiel Elliott on Sunday, uh, and obviously you've got the whole Ravens contingent, you know, that's going to be a big part of kind of, the question mark that's going to kind of determine how this season is going for them. That run defense is, is a big problem. It's something that they've talked about a lot when they, when they talk to the media about things that they want to focus on, and it's part of the reason that they're so good. Uh, it's part of the reason that they feel confident about the rest of their team because if they can put teams in on third down, they're one of the best third down teams in the league. Uh, and so they just want to be able to put players into that position, uh, but it, it's going to be tough when, when they're allowing eight, nine-yard runs uh, pretty regularly. Yeah, you mentioned Eric Hendricks. He's having a really nice season. I believe he leads the team in, in uh, tackles, uh, if you combine the, the uh, solo and assisted. He's got a couple of sacks under his belt. He's got a fumble recovery. He's got an interception. He's kind of a do-it-all guy. Um, very impressed with the season that Kendricks is putting together. So, Sunday night, who wins and why? I think if Dak Prescott plays, I think the Cowboys win. I think that um, that offense is just a little bit better than the Vikings offense, and that defense has, has a lot of turnover potential. Um, and the Vikings have been pretty poor about about you know keeping the ball secure. So I think if Dak Prescott plays, it's going to be a Cowboys win. I think it's going to be a lot of points on either side of the ball, um, probably you know a 34-30 game or something along those lines. Um, but if he's not playing, I don't think the Cowboys have much of a chance. I mean, Prescott is in the MVP conversation for a reason. Uh, and I think if you've got Cooper Rush out there, I think the Vikings can overwhelm him. Honest answer. Nobody could ever accuse you of being a homer, my man. Definitely appreciate <laughs> the uh, breakdown. A very honest assessment there. Before you go, how can our listeners follow you on social media and The Athletic? And uh, if you've got anything to plug or if there are any promos for uh, subscriptions, this is your time. Let us know what it, what's going on. Yeah, no, for sure. You can follow me on Twitter at Arif Hassan NFL. That's A-R-I-F-H-A-S-A-N NFL. Um, and if you want to read my work, you can go over to the Athletic, theathletic.com slash author slash Arif dash Hassan. Uh, and uh, as for promos, I don't think there are any uh, discounts uh, at large running for the public, but there is a student discount that's pretty perpetual. Um, I think you get something like 40 to 50% off if you've got a valid student ID. Um, so head over there, sign up and read uh, you know the number of articles. The most recent two articles I have are about the Vikings playoff hopes at 3-3 three and three, and that kid. J. Osborne article I mentioned. I'm really happy with it. Um, and I've also, I also just wrote a piece on Patrick Peterson, so that's worth checking out. Uh, other than that, I've, I've got a podcast. It's called Norse Code. You can find it where podcasts are found. Great stuff. And I can tell you firsthand, The Athletic is fantastic. I am a paying subscriber. And you listeners out there, whether you're a fan of football, baseball, basketball, college, you name it, if you're a fan of the national game, or a local market, it does not get much better than The Athletic. And Arif is a great follow on Twitter. And if you're a Minnesota fan, he is your source of information. Arif, thank you so much, my friend. Really appreciate it. Hopefully we're talking to you about maybe uh, you know, a, a seven seed, a six seed, or, or maybe even taking over the, the Packers at the top. You never know. That'd be a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Talk soon, man. Be well. That is Arif Hassan of The Athletic Minnesota. Always a big thank you to him for joining us. He delivers, provides the good stuff. It's almost like 
he, he, he's got so much information that it just fluid, it just coming out. He just delivers on each and every guy great breakdowns. Love having him on. Okay, let's take our final commercial timeout, and we'll come back with our week eight selections. Stay with us, everyone. We will be right back after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel this is the mike abadir show if you want to call in today we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 or send an email to mike at the mike show.com now back to this week's program Final segment here on the Mike Abadier Show. We're going to be talking week eight NFL selections here. So hoping to have more time to talk a little bit of NBA. If we did, I was going to be talking about three topics in, in general, and I'll just throw them out there. Maybe we can have some time to flesh it out next week if these are still lively topics, of course. Uh, one being the Lakers. You know, the Lakers are always a team that are interesting to discuss. They've got the worst defense in terms of points per game in the Western Conference. So defensively, they are not playing well at all. Now, we're only five games in. And I think some of the things can be corrected. But nonetheless, when you blow a 26-point lead against OKC, um, you start looking into the numbers a little bit. And it starts making a little bit more sense. Yeah, LeBron is out. Yeah, I know that. But, I mean, it's still the Lakers, and they still have a lot of talented players on their team. That really should not be happening. But, hey, it happens. It's pro sports. And the NBA is a game of runs. And they just let off the gas pedal, I think. They were in coast mode. And the OKC just kept chipping away. Kyrie Irving, still an issue, unfortunately. The guy doesn't want to get the jab. His teammates want him to get the jab. He ain't going to get the jab. He got support of Floyd Mayweather the other day. 
There's some people that believe that he's got the right to do what he wants. Others are saying that he's irresponsible and not a team player, not responsible to society. I'd be very curious to see where our listeners stand on this issue. It's complex. And it almost seems to me like you're either on one side or the other side. There's not a lot of down the middle about this. You either feel that people can pick and they could choose if they want to inject themselves with a medication or that the socially responsible thing to do is to do just that. I don't know a lot of it middle ground. Very curious to see. Tweet me, call the show, let us know where you stand on this issue. Is it a, a hot button issue for you? Or is it, eh, whatever. Talked out, played out, let's move on. Well, hate to break it to you, but there's not going to be any moving on anytime soon because there's going to be boosters and booster number four and number five. This is going to be an ongoing issue for a while. So buckle up. This isn't an issue that you like to hear about or talk about. Well, sorry. It ain't going anywhere anytime soon. I wish it would. Lastly, more basketball related. How about the Utah Jazz? They have a 14-point differential on a per-game basis. Only team in the NBA that has given up an average of less than 100 points a game. They're giving up 99 exactly, I believe. And they're scoring about a buck 13. So that's where your 14-point differential comes into play. We'll have plenty of time to talk about the NBA. It's a long season. But those are some of the things that stood out to me in terms of this week in the National Basketball Association. Back to the NFL. Now, there are there is one sneaky team. If you kind of heard my tone, you probably can surmise that I am a little bit bullish on the Vikings. But for their difficult schedule, I mean, I think this is a pretty good team, and we're going to get to know a little bit more about where they stand after these next four or five games coming up. But there's another sneaky team that I want to point out, especially this year, because just as a reminder, we're going to the seven playoff spot mode in the NFL. Traditionally, we've had six playoff spots that could be earned. Now we have a seventh wild card berth that is going to be available to snag. And when I look at the standings right about now, it looks, I don't want to say necessarily formful. I don't know if that's the right word or not. But when you're looking at the NFC, you're going to have Probably the Cowboys already are three games, three and a half games up, if you can believe that, after six. They're five and one. Washington's two and five. Three less wins, four more losses. And that's the same thing for the Eagles and the Giants because they all have the same lousy record at two and five. So you could have the, the Cowboys coming from the East. In the North, Packers should be the division winner. In the West, you could have a two horse battle between the Cardinals and the Rams. 
in the NFC South two horse battle between the Bucks and the Saints, who are sitting at six and one and four and two respectively. They play head to head this weekend, so we'll find out a little bit more if their Bucks are able to get a little bit more separation by winning this game. Then I think I can pretty much say that the Bucks are probably going to be the division winner. I know it's really early in the year, but I'm not seeing any reason to think otherwise. And then the West, the Cardinals, and the Rams, like I mentioned. So how many teams is that? That's one, two, three, four, five. That's six teams. That means we have one final spot. And believe it or not, the next best record that's out there, well, it's tied. The Minnesota Vikings and the Atlanta Falcons. Now, why not the Falcons? Why not the Falcons? They've got a superstar in the making tight end. They've got a a quarterback who's taken his team to the Super Bowl and the playoffs numerous times. Matt Ryan's still slinging it. They got good skill position players. Ridley and Gage, great receivers. Let's say... Ridley, great. Gage, good. Receivers. Mike Davis has been more than a competent running back. And like I said, their young tight end, Pitts, he is, he's got like Hall of Fame talent. And before you tell me to slow my roll, just watch him. So the Atlanta Falcons are kind of my sneaky team to be able to snag a final spot. So keep an eye on ATL. It's not just the year for the Braves. Could be a fun season for the Falcons as well. Now, we're running close to the end of the show. So, I promised you selections, and I've got two this week. The first one is the Saints at home getting five points against the Bucks. That's a lot of points for the two teams that are div- two teams that are division rivals that go up against each other every year. The Saints took two out of three last year. The third one, obviously, being the playoff game, but they swept during the regular season. Payton knows this team inside out. I think at home, it's almost insulting that they're getting five points. I love the Saints plus five. I'll repeat. I love the Saints plus five. The other game I like is the one we were just talking about. The Vikings at home. They're two and a half point favorites. Isn't that a little bit surprising? It's kind of counterintuitive. You would think that the Cowboys at 5-1 and one and being Dallas Cowboys, it's almost like a, a, a too-good-to-be-true-for-the-Cowboys kind of point spread. I'm going the other way with it. Minnesota Vikings, count me in. I think they're going to win this game in upset fashion on Sunday Night Football. And those are my two plays of the week. As always... Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Arif Hassan from The Athletic Minnesota for joining us. Appreciate every each and every one of our listeners that tunes in. Big heartfelt thank you. We will see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.